Amen. Glory to the newborn king. Hallelujah. Praise God. We bless the Lord. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I tell you, there's so many folks that didn't wake up this morning. But God allowed us to wake up and come to the house of God. So it is good to give thanks unto the Lord. And as the song says, every praise, every praise belongs to our God. Hallelujah. Glory be unto thy name. We appreciate the Lord. I thank God for all of our guests and all of our visitors. Praise God for being with us. Amen. Uh, this morning. Praise God. It's amazing. Baby Skylar, we thank you. You brought a whole lot of folk in the house. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. In case they didn't tell y'all, I'm, I'm a teaching preacher that's out of the box. Okay. Amen. So if you think you know how I'm going to flow, you in for a surprise because I don't know which way the Lord going to take me, but wherever he takes me, that's where I'm going. Amen. So I just invite you to come along and get with me. Praise God. Because I'm going to flow as the Holy Spirit guides me and direct me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I appreciate Trusty uh, Anthony back there because I'm going to tell you, he knows how to get the word out. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And that's one of the hardest working fellows I know. Amen. Praise God. And I appreciate him so very much because he loves his family. I don't know if y'all know that, but that man loves his family. Right. Praise God. And if something go wrong, you can count on him getting the word so we can send the prayers up on your behalf. So I thank God for each and every one of you. We're going to get right into the word because I know we're living in 2019. And so if you stay too long in 2019, you'll lose your folk because they're ready to go home. And it's raining out there right now. So, you know, we got to move along even though we got some extra in the service. All right. right. Praise God. The preacher also loved to have fun because the word said laughter does the soul good like medicine. And so it's time for the church to start enjoying the church. Praise God. Get loose. Let's have fun in the Lord. Because God is just as real today as he was back in the day. And God is trying to help the body of Christ understand I'm real to you for whatever you need at the present moment. This is not a religious formality, but this is life. And he's here to help us. Amen. Those that have your Bibles, if you're able to stand with me as we go to the Word of God in John, the 11th chapter. A very familiar passage of Scripture, and I'm going to read a few verses out of that chapter. But we're going to talk about the whole chapter in general. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. Praise God. John 11, beginning at verse 1, and it's a very familiar passage. You've heard it from you since you was a child. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he went, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, 
let us go to Judea again. Disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again. Praise God. And let's skip down to verse 11. These things he said, and after he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now let's skip down to verse um, 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into this world. Now let's go to verse 38. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the stone. Tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he had been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said, to, said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Let us pray. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we bless you and we thank you for this appointed time to declare your word. Father, we speak that your word will go forth unhindered, and that word will fall on good soil, that it may take root and produce the fruit that you desire. Father, we speak that the enemy will not steal that which you send, but it will remain and come forth for thy glory. Father, we say, have thine way, for this is your time to do what you will as you will. And I release myself unto thee that you might have thine way, and we bless you and we thank you now and declare it to be so. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. We thank God for that. And as I was meditating upon the word in this particular passage of Scripture, for a topic this morning, God dropped in my spirit. God is not in a hurry, so trust him in delays. God is not in a hurry, so trust him in delays. As we began to look at this passage of scripture here, dealing with the Lazarus, there are a lot of very important points in this message. And as it starts out talking about there was a sick man named Lazarus of Bethany. 
him and his sisters Mary and Martha lived there in Bethany. Praise God. And when he got sick, praise God, Mary and Martha, uh, Martha sent word to them to let Jesus know that his friend Lazarus was sick. Now, she sent word to let Jesus know that he was sick. And since the Bible spoke of Lazarus being a friend of them, she just assumed that if he knows that his friend is sick, he going to come on his way. And because she knew who Jesus was and what he'd already done, she just figured that if Jesus got the word and it was his friend, truly their brother was not going to die. Think about it. Sometimes we think because a person is right standing in the Lord and they are so faithful to the kingdom of God. And because they are attached to you, that you praying and walking according to the word. Sometimes theology have you believe that as you pray, God going to do just like you want him to do. But I got news for you because the word of God let us know that when Jesus got the word, praise God, he was only about two and a half miles away from the location. But it said Jesus decided to stay two more days where he was at. So in other words, Jesus was not in a hurry to go see about his friend Lazarus. Now, it was not that Jesus was not concerned about his friend, but Jesus knew whom he was. And sometimes we forget who Jesus is when we are in the middle of a crisis because we are concerned about what we want at the appointed time. Jesus understands that you want what you want but Jesus also understands that he's got a plan and he's got a method in which he's going to operate. And just because we want him to move at the particular time in a certain way does not mean that he's going to do it. Now, I know they got some folk that teach in the word of God that if I do this and if I do that, then the Lord going to do this. The Bible tells me that our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. That's Isaiah 55. Praise God. Now, sometimes we think the Lord ought to do this and he ought to do that, but he's God so he can do what he want to do when he get ready to do it and how he wants to do it. Now, what our job is is to quit trying to tell him how to do it, when to do it, but believe that he will do it. Amen. That's what God is looking for. And so when he told the disciples, and they begin to discuss it. And Jesus says, well, we're getting ready to go to Bethany. The disciples said, wait a minute, Jesus. I'm paraphrasing here for you a little bit. They said, don't you remember? That's where they tried to kill you. And you going back there so that they can attempt to kill you again? And you want us to go with you? Jesus let them know. If you walk by day, you see where you're going. You ain't got to worry about stomach. What he was trying to say is if you understand who I am. And when I get ready to go, if I say we going, we going. And I'm with you, then that means you're not by yourself. So in other words, what Jesus was trying to say in plain English, there is no rules for me. I am the great I am. Whatever I need to be at the appointed time that I will be. We going back to Bethany, and he told them, he says, our friend Lazarus, he's sleep. 
Now, if you know your Bible, God only speaks the term sleep when it refers to believers. So what that is saying is, even though you may be dead in the way we know it in the physical sense, when you are a believer in Christ, all that means is the reason Jesus refers to it as sleep is because all you have done is transitioned from here into the um, heaven. That's all it means. Your consciousness just transferred because you belong to him. Now, if you're an unbeliever, you dead. And you ain't crossed over into heaven. Because heaven is designed for the believer. Praise God. Jesus never speaks of the term sleep when it refers to sinners. And all a sinner is is someone who has not decided to accept the free gift of salvation. Salvation is a gift of God because the word of God says, by grace are we saved and not by works. In other words, we believe the work that was done by the Son, Jesus Christ himself, and he offered it as a gift because he died on our behalf, shed his blood for us, and he says, if you will accept the work that I've done, then you too shall be saved. So sometimes we get salvation mixed up with how good can I be? And am I doing the right thing? Your salvation is a gift. You can't work for it, and I don't care how hard you try, you won't earn it that way except you believe what Jesus has already done. What we're looking at is we're confusing confusing salvation with sanctification. Sanctification is when you begin to learn how to walk out what you have walked into. When a baby is born in here, they are into the family. But that baby got to have some help to learn how to eat on its own, to learn how to walk, get the nourishment to grow. And when we accept Christ, we got to have that same type of nourishment from the spiritual word of God so that we understand that we are now part of the family. So folk quit judging people because when they accept the gift, they got the gift whether they're walking the walk at that time or not. That's words. Because it's already told us it's by grace and not by works. So don't judge nobody. Praise God. Now, as they begin to start, y'all remember Thomas, one of the twelve. They used to call him the doubting Thomas. So since Jesus said we going to Bethany, Thomas spoke up. He said, well, Lord, if you're going, y'all, we might well go on with him. We'll die with him, too. Because they go kill him, they're going to kill us, too. But we're going. He said, we're going, and we're going. But at least he was willing to speak up and say, we're going, even if we have to die. But they truly did not want to go. But Jesus told them the disciples, he said, our friend Lazarus is asleep. And they told him, if he's asleep, he's doing good then, because he'll get well if he's asleep. So then since he realized they didn't understand what sleep he was talking about, he said, no, he just dead. And I'm kind of glad that I won't there. So when I get there, they'll know and believe that I am the one that God has sent. What is that saying to us? We have to understand what God is trying to teach us. See, when God put these stories in the Bible, they're not just for entertainment, but for us to understand the principles that he's put in place to help us deal with what we're dealing with in the present moment. This word is alive and well. 
But now if you don't open up and see the word for what the word is saying and let the Lord reveal to your spirit, you will take it just as another Bible story and you will walk in hearing a good story and walk out talking about how good that story was, but you won't know how to change your situation. But if you listen to the word of God and then begin to ask God, Lord, what were you trying to show me in that story? Because it was not for entertainment but it was to help me in what I was dealing with. Now, will you please show me how to apply what I just heard so that my situation that I'm faced with right now can be turned around? That's what this story is all about. And so as they went back, and he told his disciples, he said, this is so that people can believe. So in other words, there was a purpose in Jesus delaying his visit, even though Lazarus was his friend. So when he gets back to Bethany and they let Martha and Mary know that Jesus is out there. Martha, she was a bold sister. She runs on up out in the house. She runs up on Jesus and she said, look, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Attitude. Mary stayed on in the house. She was a quiet sister. She didn't like it either. But she was calm, relaxed, and still doing what she was doing. So as she began to talk, Jesus said, did I not say that your brother will rise again? She said, Lord, we know he's going to rise again in the resurrection. But I'm talking about why did he even have to die? I'm, you know, in a sense is what she was trying to mean and get the point across to Jesus. And so in verse 25 there, I think it is, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? The same question he asked her, he's asking us. Do you believe this? And she says, yes. Lord, I believe that you are the Christ and the Son of God who is to come into this world. Even though she was upset, she still believed that he says, I am the resurrection. I am. That is present tense. So no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus is the I am in the situation. Death represents the ultimate end in such uh, terminology as we know it. So in other words, it's like all hope is gone when death reached because if you're dead, you're dead in your mind. So it looks like everything is about to be over. What God wants us to understand this morning, that if you're in a situation, in a tough spot, between a rock and a hard place, and it looks like the situation is dead, and it looked like there is no way out. What he wants you to understand is, if you belong to him, understand that he is the resurrection. He is life. He says, I am. Not I was, but I am. Right now, I can help you if you'll let me help you resurrect that that's looked like it's dying in your life. That's the message for you to understand what Jesus is saying. So what he was telling her, though he may be dead, 
He yet lives because he believes in me. Now, do you believe that? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe. And when she said, yes, Lord, I believe, they go to the tomb. They get to the tomb. They standing there having a conversation. Jesus said, remove the stone from the cave. Oh, here come Martha again. Can't keep that mouth closed. She says, Lord, he's been dead four days. If we remove that stone, it's going to be stinking so bad. We can't stand the stench. Don't you understand? After four days, he's stinking already. You sure you want me to? Now she's talking to Jesus. The son of God, he told the woman to remove the stone. And she trying to give him a lesson about science. The body's already started decaying and stinking. As if he did not know. The man that knows everything, even our thoughts, before we even speak them, he already know what we're thinking. But here she is trying to tell him. That the man is thinking, and you sure you want me to remove the stone. Now, the interesting thing is, and you probably like me, you probably done read this chapter hundreds of times, if you know, just plenty of times that you almost, like you said, you could tell the story, never open the Bible because you done heard it so many times. But sometimes when you get too familiar with stuff, you read over some important point and you miss a key thing. But you remember. That when Jesus got ready to pray after she finished her little conversation. Now, when Mary finally came out, too, she asked Jesus the same thing. But the difference between Mary and Martha, when Mary came out, the Bible says, if you look up in a few verses before that, she fell down at his feet and began to cry and worship him. But she said the same thing. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But she, she was down there worshiping and crying. And then that's where we get our uh, short verse in the Bible where Jesus wept as well. See, Jesus did care. But like Jesus told the disciples, he said, I needed to wait so that all these folk that's standing around here, they could see and believe that I was who I said I am. Sometimes God got to work a miracle to get some folk to see that don't believe. It was for the unbeliever. And so when we are the believer, we got to understand that we trust God even when it looked like it ain't going the way we wanted to go. Because we have been called to walk by faith and not by sight. The world walks by what they see, what they know, and what they understand. We as the saints of God, we have been called to walk by faith and not by sight. So that means sometimes when we open up this word, and the word says, go right. And our natural mind says, why I'm going that way? I done been that way. I believe I need to go this. That ain't what the word says. If you're going to walk by faith, that means you're going to go this way. The way that the word is directing you. And sometimes you have to walk that way and say, Lord, I know what your word says. And I'm going the way your word says. But honestly, I really don't see it, but I know you. And if you said it, it is so. And the reason God says we got to walk by faith and not by sight is because we got an enemy called the devil. And his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And the only way he's going to do that is begin to speak to your mind to make you doubt what God is saying. And if you begin to doubt what God says, you're not going to act on what he tell you to do. And guess what? If you don't act on what the Lord tell you to do, ain't nothing going to happen. Ain't nothing going to happen because he says you walk by faith and not by sight. Now, when I begin to look at this verse in here, and let me let me pull it out because I tell you right now, I know what it says, but sometimes I have to go back and look at it so I don't misquote it. But I got the gist of what it's saying. When Jesus began to pray, he says, Father, and that's down there in verse, uh, the latter part of verse 41. Well, verse 41, it says, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Did you get that? Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Heard is past tense. So that meant Jesus and the Father has already had a conversation about raising Lazarus before he ever prayed. Because he said it was past tense. He didn't say, Father, I thank you that you hear me. He says, I thank you that you have heard me. And do you know when the Father sent Jesus down here on this earth, the Lord spoke as he moved around. He says, I do the will of my Father. I say what my Father says to me. I do what my father has done. In other words, I don't act in myself. I act as God, my father, has sent me to do. Amen. So the message to us is we've got to learn to start doing what Jesus says and not what we want Amen. and not what we think. That's why he says you got to walk by faith and not by sight because nine times out of ten when the Lord asks you to do something, it ain't going to make no sense in the natural. It ain't. It ain't going to make no sense. But because he said it, he's trying to demonstrate that he is God and he needs to let you know that he is God. Because, see, if you never have a situation that you need to believe him, you'll never know he can do it. You heard he could do it, but what he's trying to do is get you to experience God for yourself. And when you know it for yourself, Everybody in the world can say what they want to say. But when you have experienced it for yourself, you can very easily come back and say, you can think what you want, you can say what you want, but I know what the Lord done for me. I know that it was the Lord. And you can boldly make that declaration because you won't just read about it, you experienced it for yourself. And that's what God is trying to get every believer to the point that they know this word and have experienced that word for themselves. Not what they heard mama say, not what they heard daddy say, but what they heard and seen God do himself for them. And once you have experienced it, you become a testimony like none of Because nobody can make you doubt what he done for you. But now if you ain't walked through that thing, you might rationalize a little bit because what they say do make sense according to your trained theology or your trained college background or general education. It makes sense. But everything that makes sense in the now 
is not sense according to God's word. That's why he said you got to do it by faith. Because if you don't do it by faith, you ain't going to act on it because you'd be scared to go that way because nobody likes the unknown. Everybody wants to be in control. That's just like if I called you up there in the audience right now and said, get up here and, 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 and declare your favorite verse. Some of you would stumble because you see the crowd. Even though you know that's your favorite verse, you couldn't get it out because your nervous would take over. Because you was not expecting to be called up here to quote it. That's why it takes faith. And so when God gives me a message sometimes, I have to struggle with the message a little bit. Because I'm like, okay, I hear what you're saying, Lord, but I don't see how that fit into that service at that particular time. But I understand because this helped me a long time ago when God let me know in my spirit, your job is to believe. Let me do what I do, and you do what I ask you to do, and you'll be all right. And so when I started walking like that, it got a little bit easier. That's why I tell y'all I'm a preacher out of the box. Because you can talk about me what you want to say and talk about how crazy I am. But one thing about it is if God's word says it, I can believe it and walk with it. And guess what? He's still God because I understand that I got a limited amount of knowledge. But I remember that the word of God says that God knows the end from the beginning. Before I was ever faced with what I'm dealing with, he already knew how it was going to come out. And he asked that I would trust him in the middle of it and to cast all my cares upon him because he let me know I care for you. And so I'm saying, God, if you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. And if he don't do it, we all need to sit down somewhere. Because God is God and he's very much alive today. And so as he began to say, I thank you that you have heard me. He says, I'm praying this prayer because of all the folks standing around that they might believe. Because, see, they had the mourners and all of those that came to support Mary and Martha there around the tomb. And if you read your scripture there, because I couldn't read all 44 of them verses. You know, y'all really said he's crazy now, but she was reading 44 verses. But now, as they begin to talk among themselves, they said, now, here's a man that opened the blind eyes. Open up deaf ears. Couldn't even have saved his friend from dying. You know, they're having that side conversation. Jesus knew exactly what they were saying. So that's why he said, Father, it's for the benefit of all them around. Because you and I already know what they was waiting on. And this is the point. He says, I thank you that you heard me. Which means he and the father had the conversation. And so God the father told the son, Jesus, he says, now, when they demonstrate faith for you when they are at that tone and do what you ask them to do, then we will let Lazarus come forth and you can call him. So that's how we're going to do it. We waiting on them. So in other words, if you got a situation before God and it's been a while and you ain't seeing the result, think about it. Have you done the last thing that God asked you to do? Or have you been trying to do it yourself? Or have you been trying to get the opinion and thoughts of everybody else? Even though you know in your spirit, you felt like God was leading you there, but because it didn't quite make sense to you, you wanted to go get somebody else's opinion, and ain't nothing changed. That's because God waiting on you to obey him in the last thing he told you. He told them to move that stone. He didn't even pray till they moved the stone. 
He was waiting for them to act on it. You still sitting there running your mouth talking about he's stinking. You delaying it. You move the stone, I'm getting ready to call him up out in there. We got to learn to quit questioning God so much and talking about what we, we ain't God. We the children. And the Bible says that when we came into this family, we were bought with a price. We were not our own, but we now belong to him. And because we belong to him, that means he's in control. So we need to relax, release, and let him do what he's going to do. When you're in charge, you call the shot. If you don't believe it, somebody got children, they're trying to tell you what to do. You quickly remind them, I pay the bills in this house. You got any job? All right, then go somewhere and sit down. I'm helping you understand the principle here behind this word. Sometimes we act like that with the Lord, and that's why he's telling us, shut your mouth and let me do what I'm going to do. Now, act on what I told you to do. Move the stone. So when they move the stone, then Jesus says with a loud voice, and it talks about he groaned in the spirit. See, you got to remember, in biblical days, Satan had a hold on the saints with the threatening of death. Because Jesus had not yet went to the cross. And so he used death as a tactic to hold the saints of God. And nobody wanted to face death. And that was Satan's stronghold. And so Jesus had to show up at the tomb where Lazarus were dead inside the cave. So now Jesus is on Satan territory at the point of death where Lazarus is laying in that cave. And the Bible says he began to moan within himself. See, I can imagine just a little bit, and if you just go with me just for a moment, you can imagine that Jesus shows up at that tomb. Everybody's standing around. He is upset. Lazarus, his friend, is dead inside that cave. Praise God. And because he's dead inside that cave, Jesus is standing there saying, look at what Satan have done. And so he's on the enemy territory getting ready to show out on the enemy. And so as he began to moan in the spirit, praise God. Amen. As he began to moan in the spirit, he began to think about it won't be long because I soon will have fulfilled what God has sent me here to do. I soon will be able to die on behalf of my saints, praise God, my fellow children, because I'm going to pay the price for them that they're not able to pay. He began to think about that, but he says, my friend is in there dead right now, so I got to deliver him and set him free. So when they moved the stone and he began to say, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I know that you always hears me. Praise God, and when they moved that stone, it said that he cried out with a loud voice. He cried out, cried out and said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he called for Lazarus, here come Lazarus, all wrapped up in them grave clothes. But he had to say Lazarus because if he hadn't, the whole graveyard would have got up. He called specifically for Lazarus. Because he knew when he called Lazarus' name, Lazarus was going to come. So what God was showing us was, I'm going to deliver when you do what I ask you to do. But I may not deliver at the time you want me to deliver. But when you call on me and you stand upon my word, even if I delay my coming, you need to know that I'm coming. Praise God. You need not give up hope because it looked like it's the end. Because it looked like it's the end don't mean that it's the end. See, you got to trust him in the delay. 
Because see, if he move every time you thought he was going to move, you think you were God. You think you were some hot shot. That you were this and that in the kingdom of God. But even when you do what God asks you to do, you still got to go through some things yourself. Because God got to keep you in check, keep me in check, so that our head don't get so big and we think we are all of that. Because God is still God. And we just need to let him be God. And so when Lazarus come forth, he looked at the folk and he said, okay, here he is. Now y'all loose him and let him go. See, Jesus resurrected him and brought him out. But he told the people, y'all loose him and let him go. In other words, go over there and unwrap them clothes and them grave clothes from around him so he can walk freely. Because he was wrapped all up like a mummy the way they did back there in those days. They didn't have this modern embalming stuff that we got now. Praise God. He was probably scrambling on up out of there. So they had to release him so he could walk freely. What that is saying to us, God needs the believers to be connected with a local body so that they can work and help in setting people free. See, when you get saved, it ain't just for you to keep you from going to heaven. It's to put you in a position so that you can help some other folk that's been tied up. So when you got free, you cannot help somebody else. So you got to get connected so you can learn and understand what the word of God is saying. Learn how to apply that word in your everyday situation. And when you learn how it works, then you'll be able to share with somebody else that's going through. And you can tell them this is what the word of God says. And this is how you can put that thing in action. And then you let God do the work. He going to deliver, but you're going to have to teach and walk that word and begin to walk by faith. See, you say when you accepted the gift. Because anytime I give you a gift and you accept it, you got it. Now you can take that gift, set it on the shelf, put it in the closet, and do nothing with it. Because some of you probably still got Christmas gifts for last year. Wrapped up in the box, ain't even open. But it's your choice. It's still your gift. So what am I saying is, you can accept salvation, but if you don't go through the sanctification and begin to learn and walk this word out, Ain't nothing going to happen. You're just going through the motion. You feel good when you hear the word. You walk out and you're still dealing with what you want to deal with. But when you take that word and begin to apply, it changes the situation. So the Lord wants you to understand he's not in a hurry because he's still God and he can do what he wants to do. But he needs us to trust him while he is delaying because he's getting ready to fulfill a greater purpose than just our little desire. It's not just for us, because it's his desire that none should perish, but that all will come unto repentance, unto everlasting life. It's about winning souls for the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. That is our purpose right there. I would love to see this church overflowing with members, but it's not even about members. It's about getting folk into the body of Christ, that they're in the big family. That's what it's all about. It's not in the buildings. It's not in all this fancy stuff, but it's in changing the unbeliever into a believer. That they become a part of God's family because he doesn't want anybody lost. But he also understands that everybody is not going to accept the gift. Because people have offered you a gift and you said, no, thank you. I don't need it. So they take their gift and carry it on and give it to somebody else that wants the gift. The Lord does the same thing, but he comes back again and offers it to you again later. And as long as you keep denying the gift, 
Somebody keep praying so that you will eventually accept the gift. Because whether you believe it or not, he's coming again. And you want to be the ones that when he come, you have become a part of his family. Because he's eternal. And we're going to live eternally, whether in heaven with the Lord or in hell with Satan and his hands. Ain't but one or the other. Folks don't talk about hell too much these days, but it's just as real as heaven. And all it is is I refuse to accept the gift that was offered to me. That's all the Lord is saying today. He wants us to trust him when he delay us calling on him. Because he has a greater purpose, and that is to win the unbeliever into the family of God. We thank God for his word this morning. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.